I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a little story about my family since we're on the, the family thing. We went on, we went on, I have four kids, and we went on summer vacation. This spring, we, were, we said to my boys, I said, boys, we're going to Michigan for vacation. And they said, why? <laughs> and so they wore their Buckeye gear every day, and got every, they were like, we want to find anyone who's wearing Michigan and say, they started calling it Mashigan. So anyone who's wearing Mashigan gear, and we're going to say, go Bucks. So anyway, we're, we're in Michigan, we're in Mich- we're in Michigan, and when I was going into, go, coming out of my sophomore year of college at Ohio State, I went up to Michigan to the Sleeping Bear Dunes. Has anyone been to the Sleeping Bear Dunes? A few of you? Okay, and so there's this. Can we, we, click, can we click on this? This All of my life, the rest of life, that's what we're going to be talking about, Holy Spirit living. So there's this hill. It's about 400 feet, maybe 450, and it's almost straight down. So what you do is you, like, run down. And there's all these signs like danger, do not do this, you will not get back, like helicopter rescues are ready. I, I've already been rescued a couple times by helicopters just once. And th- so I run down this thing and like sprint back up and it was like, it was not that hard. Like I didn't touch the sand once with my hands, did it in about 10 minutes. It was like, it was, I was in great shape. So we're, we're here and I'm like, Carmen, we got to take the boys to the dunes. I was like, I think that our eight-year-old can do it. I think he can do it. So here we go. So we go and we get to this next picture. We, we get to this spot and we're like climbing up this dune. And I'm carrying, I've got, uh, our, one-year-old, I've got our four-year-old on my back and our one-year-old in my arm. And we're kind of like just climbing up this thing. And I was like, okay, it's right over here. And... It wasn't. There was like another dune, and we went over that next dune, then we went over this next dune, and we're barefoot. Um, we only brought a one Nalgene worth of water because it was just, I was like, Carmen, it's just like right over that dune. And we kept going, we kept going, we kept going. Um, about an hour and a half later, we're uh, still going, and I'm like, I, I was like, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, there must be an easier access point through the road, and we're taking the long route, but but whatever. And by the way, there's this story means something for this talk, so I'm going to ask you how to connect, okay? And so I was like, Carmen is like, hey, David's starting to struggle. And he's my, uh, my six-year-old. And I was like, uh, no problem. I'll just carry him back, you know, like if he needs it or we'll, we'll figure something out. But we got to get there. I really think that Simon can, can and he's going to be so proud of himself because I really want to challenge my kids. And I love when they make great accomplishments and they can, when they see that they can do hard things. Meanwhile, I'm getting all kinds of like, everybody's like, dad of the year, cheers, you know, because I got this kid, I got that kid, we got no water, they're like, we're, we're taking bets on you, and so anyway, we, we finally get to uh, the end, and this is the end, and it's not a 450 foot drop, so we went on the wrong trail, we totally missed it, this is two miles in of sand, and it's, right now it's noon, we're, we're pretty hungry. Carmen and I haven't, she's been really sick the last year. I'll talk a little bit about that later. She's been really sick, so she's kind of dragging a little bit. I haven't had any water because I'm like rationing and it's hot. So we got to Lake Michigan. My boys were like, Dad, that does not look that impressive. <laughs> but we made it. And then we turned around. And David, at a certain point, I had told him, the six-year-old, I said, he was like, I want to give up. And I was like, listen, I'll make a deal with you. I'll carry you up every other dune. 
And so we get to the first two, and he's like, I'm ready for that offer. So I've got four and a half back here, put the one-year-old. Carmen carries the one-year-old, and I carry, I pick up the six-year-old. He's a, he's a hefty. He's a very strong boy. So he, I've, got, I've got about 90 pounds on now. And I climb up this first dune, and I'm like counting steps. Like, okay, I'm counting, to, I'm counting to 50 with my right leg. If I can get to 50, I'll be halfway there. I'll take a break, and I'll do it again. Got to the top, but I'm like, I'm gassed. My thighs start kind of like, have you ever like your thigh muscles start pulling off a little bit? And you're just like, this really hurts. Um, go down the next hill. David makes it up the second hill. Now we're at hill number three, and I'm like, all right you know, pick them up again, and I get, I get halfway there, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it, so I say, I was like, I was like, man, we're getting emotional, um, I was like, Lord, we actually need some food, can you please give us some food, and uh, we get to the, we start, I start on my second leg, and we, I get up to, right to the end, and it's like, you know, 44, 45, 46, and I just dropped David, like, I actually got to complete fail, and exhaustion. So I just dropped him. So he like falls in the sand, brush him off. He's crying a little bit. We, we get to the top and we're just kind of like, okay, I don't know how we're going to get back. We've went up three hills. We've got like 10 more to go. And somebody comes up to me and they're like, hey, do you, do you need some food? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, here, I got a bag of goldfish. We don't need, he has like a whole backpack full of water and supplies. And so he gave us this huge, the kids, you should have seen the kids. They're just like, you know, it's like, like a, feedi, a, a pet zoo, uh, you know, a petting zoo. Feed me like the geese. And so all, like, all of a sudden we got our blood sugar back. Someone else was like, hey, do you guys need some water? We're like, uh-huh. So now we got some water. We're hydrated. We cruise the rest of the way. Easy. We get back to the car. And I sat, I sat down and in the car and just like, I just started crying because I was... A, I was like, so this was miraculous. Like, God really heard my prayer. I know this is really silly and small, but, like, we were in need. And at a certain point in the, at a certain point in the hike, I looked at Carmen in the eyes, and I was like, we're going to make it back. Because she was starting to get a little worried. And I was like, we will get back. And we did. We got back. And I was so proud of my kids, especially my 8-year-old. He didn't complain once, which is a miracle even more than the um, goldfish thing. And, I mean, you've all been eight. And then I also just, you know, just like the point of exhaustion. I just, I don't know if you've been there. I've been there twice where I've actually put, pushed myself to the point of exhaustion that I actually started like kind of weeping. I don't know if you've been there, but it was intense. Okay, what, what's, the, what's the moral of these stories? What, what, how does this connect with all my life for the rest of my life? Do you guys see anything? Because I'm, I'm hoping I don't have to say anything more after this. Yeah. I've got, I've got these kids. This is my context, right? These are the circumstances. God's given me this. I need to go all my life for the rest of my life with this context. Amen. What about somebody else? Yeah. You got to meet the Lord in the middle. You got to ask for his help. And then as long as you keep going, you'll there's Yeah, I got to meet the Lord in the middle. So I got to like step out and then he's going he's gonna to be there for me. Yeah. You may not always see the next hill. Like if you were to see 10 sand dunes, you might not have went Yeah, right? I, and this is key. I mean, we don't know what we're going to get into. I mean, it's kind of your point as well. We don't know what we're going to get into. And it's going to, anybody else? You guys see anything else? Yeah. I mean, if you miscalculate and you end up, um, you end up going too far, like God's going to bail you out. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to bail us out. He's going to be there. He's our safety net. So 
Yeah, we don't know what we're going to get into. It's going to take daily struggle, and there's no turning back. Carmen, we're getting home, right? Like, there's no turning back. And we're saying, all my life for the rest of life, the rest of my life, there's no turning back. Okay, so let's go to Peter. So this next slide here. Peter, St. Peter's, his story is our story, okay? So I asked my kids at dinner tonight, I said, first of all, I said, hey, I'm going to talk about all my life for the rest of my life. I was like, how would you guys kind of sum that up? And Simon, my eight-year-old, was like, he was like, um, that's, that's too complicated to say in a short amount of time. I was like, okay, well, can you, what, what would you say? He's like, um, I was like, well, what's all of my life mean? He's like, that's the tricky part. I was like, okay, what's the rest of my life? He's like, for the rest of your life. Like, okay, got it. And then he wanted me to make sure that I told you that there are no more Roman soldiers in Rome. Um, okay, so St. Peter, yeah, I'm telling you, I mean, this stuff is like, you just, you just, you just never know. And then, then, he, then he said, he said, but there are, because there's soldiers in Rome right now. So, touche. So, I was like, kids, what, when, do you guys remember after Jesus read, rose from the dead, Peter was out fishing. Do you remember what happened? And David was like, yeah. Jesus was like, have you caught any fish? And they were like, no. And he said, try the other side. And then they caught a bunch of fish. I was like, yeah. I was like, you got it. You guys know the story, right? Isn't this a little bit of our story? Jesus, you know, Jesus rose, changes everything, right? He intervened in our life. And then what does Peter say? I'm going fishing. He went back. Don't we go back sometimes? Don't we go back to what's comfortable? Don't we go back? Don't, don't we go back to where we were before the resurrection meant everything? And Jesus asks us a question. He says, have you caught anything? You've been toiling a long time. You've been toiling. I want to work. Try something new. Are you ready, brothers and sisters, are we ready here in this room to go somewhere else where God can work more powerfully in our lives? Are we ready for that? And what's the, what happens is an abundance, right? 153 fish. They couldn't, even, they couldn't even bring it in the boats. He's poured out an abundance in our lives. And as we give our lives to Him, we receive back in abundance. And then what happens? John says to Peter, he says, what does he say? It is the Lord. Isn't that great to have a brother who's next to you kind of point something out? Like, yeah, that's Jesus. It's the Lord right there. And so Peter goes all in, right? He just dives, swims to shore, goes to meet Jesus. That's all my life. He dives completely in. But there's more than just an initial response, right? There's more than Jesus or Peter just diving in. Next, Jesus gives him an invitation. You guys know what happens next. Verse 15. You can go to the next slide, Maddie. Three times he asks Simon Peter, do you love me? And what does Simon say back to him? What does Peter say back to him? He says, I love you, but it's a different kind of love. It's filio love. So it's more like, I like you as my friend. Like, Jesus is like, I love you completely and totally. I died for you. I'm giving everything to you. Would you love me that way? And he's like, ah, I like you like a friend. You're my friend, Jesus. And then he asks him again and again, do sometimes do we, does, do we talk past each other with God? Do we ever talk past him where he's saying something to us? And we're like, you must mean this, right? Right, Jesus? 
You guys ever experienced that? No, you guys are giving me blank stares. Like, you guys, you don't, I talk past, I talk past God. Like, no, that must not be what you mean. That's too hard. That's too much. That's too radical, Michael, right? Like, no, let's not talk past the Lord. And then he says, Jesus kind of takes this next level. And he says, amen, amen, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. He said this signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had said this, he said to him, follow me. Brothers and sisters, this is, a, this is an invitation that Jesus gives to Peter. Peter, will you go all in, all of your life, for the rest of your life? And Peter's story is our story. Jesus is asking us tonight, will you live all of your life, will you give all of your life for the rest of your life? So, I was part, like John said, I was part of starting SPO here. This was in my, my junior year, and as we're going into my senior year, spring break, I go up to Minnesota, and we were planning for this thing, a summer conference called the School of the New Evangelization, and I was trying to get as many people from Ohio State to go with me to Minnesota, and everybody said to me, no. They were like, sorry, you got other plans. I need to make money, and this, you know, this, 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 this. I was super bummed. Like, we had like a little bit of momentum going, and... So up there in Minnesota, and kind of my mentor, his name is Brian, and he was like, and I was like, Brian, so no one's coming. So I, I've already done this training thing last summer, so I'm good, and I'm going to make a bunch of money this summer. I'm just going to be in Columbus. Like, I'll keep do, building the ministry. That every, you know, a bunch of people are going to be around and make some money so that I can serve more next year, my senior year, and like, we're going to go. And Brian started asking me a couple questions, and he said some really bold things to me. And I won't go into what that whole conversation was, but what I heard the Lord say to me in Brian's conversation was, I'm looking for someone to lay down their life for this mission. And that means this summer. I'm looking for someone to lay their life down, all my life, for the rest of my life. That's what I heard the Lord say. And you know what the key thing is? I think to hear that, a couple things are necessary, I think. Or at least this is what happened. I had seen Brian lay his life down all my life for the rest of my life. And that crazy inspired me. That's why I was there talking to him. That's why I kind of went to him. And I was kind of talking past him at first. Because I'd seen him do it first. You know what the second thing is that happened that I realized? I heard the Lord say that to me. Because I wanted it. I wanted to hear. Brothers and sisters, do we want to hear the Lord say that? Do we want to hear his question? Do we want to hear the invitation that he gave to Peter, that he gave to Brian, that he gave to Andrew, that he's giving to you tonight, that he's giving to you this year to give your whole life for the rest of your life? Brothers and sisters, this is is kind of crazy, this second call, because it's everything. It's kind of like, at fan into flame or something like that, we encounter the Lord in a powerful way and declare Jesus is Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. We give God a little window to be at the center of our life, and that is a huge moment in our lives. 
And this is kind of a, this is like the second one. Like this is Peter, he believed, and now Jesus is like, you know what it's going to really cost. Are you going to follow? And that's the, that's, the, that's the invitation we have. But Peter struggled with this. That's the next slide. Didn't Peter struggle? I mean, Peter always struggled. That's why he's such a beautiful story, right? Why did he struggle? Why would we struggle right now with this call? Why would we struggle? I think one of the reasons is we might be a little bit complacent. And when I say that, I mean maybe the Holy Spirit is not stirred up enough in my life to be ready and want that bold invitation that's radical, that means everything. I might not be ready for that. If your life isn't overflowing with the Holy Spirit right now, you need some more stirring of the Holy Spirit. And I don't think we should wait till fan into flame. I don't think we should wait till February. Does anyone want to wait? I don't think we should wait. No? No. No. Let's stir it up. I need some more Holy Spirit. Maybe we're complacent. Maybe there's a little comparison. Do you know what uh, Peter says a few verses later after Jesus does the, will you, do you, will you love me? Do you love me? Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Do you know what he says? Peter's like, so what about John? What about him? And what does Peter say to him? What is John? Jesus says to Peter, what about John? What if he's going to live till I come again? You follow me. This is a particular call. And there's no room for comparison here. All of my life, for the rest of my life, is the invitation that Jesus wants to give to you, and it's a particular invitation just for you. And it's going to look different than anybody, everybody else in this room. Another struggle, I think this is actually the biggest one. Maybe Peter was a little complacent. Well, yeah, he didn't have the Holy Spirit, right? That was coming up in a couple, like, few, like, few days, few weeks, okay, right? Maybe he was just comparing, but I think it was because of the cost. Do you guys think? I think like Jesus really laid it out because here's the thing. G, the, the disciple follows in the steps of the master, right? That's, that was the understanding then. And we, we're a little away from that because in modernity you can kind of pick who you want to follow at what parts and what parts of their teaching. But like Peter says, You're, I'm your disciple. That means Peter's story is whose story? Jesus' story. What does that mean? He's going to die. He's going to give everything for the sake of the church. He's going to give everything. And whose story is Peter's story? My story. It's your story. Our story. That's the cost. And Jesus outlined this, and it was scary for Peter because he was asking for everything every day. All my life, for the rest of my life. Your major, your career, your vocation, how you date, what your hobbies are, how you spend your time, what your dreams are. Someone recently said, Andrew, I've, I've heard the Lord say to me, will you follow me into obscurity? If that's where I'm calling you. And I've been wrestling with that. And I, I want to say, yes, I'll follow you. But that's a hard thing to say because I want my life to matter. I want to make a big difference, right? He's asking for everything. And Jesus uses, when he says, these, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. He uses the imperative form of the verb, which implies a lifestyle, brothers and sisters. It means a lifestyle. It means habits, a way of life. Brothers and sisters, the, the grace of the call that Jesus is giving us, the grace of the call is not just in the invitation. It's not just in the invitation. It is in, as well, the courage to persevere. 
in giving everything toward our destination. That's, that's where the grace is. So our calling is in a context. That's our next slide. It's really, it's really simple. It actually, to say all my life for the rest of my life, remember my eight-year-old, it says it's kind of complicated. It, it's kind of complicated and it's also kind of simple. It's going to happen in a context. It has to happen in the here and now in a concrete way in my life. Why do you think Jesus chose right then to bring this up? Like, do you think this is kind of like Jesus procrastinating? Like, okay, I got like one more check the box before I ascend. Why do you, why? I'm, this isn't a rhetorical question. Why do you think Jesus was bringing this up? Peter, do you love me? Tend my sheep. Why do you think he's bringing this up now? Yeah? I mean, as a priority, because of the three times he denied him, um, I think maybe because, like, if he hadn't been, then he would have turned back. Maybe, yeah, maybe. So he turned back from what? So why would he turn back? Why would Peter turn back in the future? Yeah. He was like fishing. He was doing the thing that he was comfortable doing. Yeah. In a place that he like could go back to. Yes. I think there's something. I I at least am looking for something a little different. He could go back to like the comfortable place. You got it. He was ashamed, which is kind of connected. Yeah. Jesus was about to leave, and what was going to happen when Jesus was going to leave? What was the Holy Spirit was going to come, and then what was going to happen? What is Peter and all the other apostles going to run into? They're going to run into challenge. I was looking for challenge. I was just praying. I was like, they are, Jesus said this because it is about to happen, and he's already said it in the gospel that you read. He's already said it a bunch of times, but they've forgotten, right? They forgot. They're going to run into challenges. Brothers and sisters, have we forgotten? We're going to run into challenges. So for me, and that's, that's beautiful because... Total love is tested love, isn't it? Isn't total love tested love? Don't you want the Lord to challenge us? Don't you want us to test us so that we can have total love for Him? That's what all of my life for the rest of my life kind of love means. This is what, so uh, Carmen, I said she was kind of sick last August. She had a routine surgery and she comes out of surgery, blurred, blurred vision, metallic taste in her mouth, Numbness in her face this is my wife. Uh, numbness in her hands and her feet, and this weird thing in her, in her stomach and her digestion. And we're like, what in the world is happening? So we like, so talk to the surgeon. He's like, it's not me. Talk to anesthesiologist. It's not me. Go to the primary physician. It's not me. It, you know, went to a neurologist. I think it might be this. Went through a bunch of tests over the course of the next eight months. Went through. We counted them. There was like 50 appointments or tests or blood work that we had over eight months. It was, it was kind of like, it was like, what in the world is wrong with you, girl? Um, and she, uh, like, we got to figure this thing out. Finally, she is diagnosed with Lyme disease. And I'm not going to go into all what that is, but it's a really weird disease, and you get it from a tick, and it's, it manifests itself in different people different ways, so it's super hard to diagnose. We're, like, really blessed, A, that we diagnosed it so quickly, and B, that it's Lyme disease and it's not. We thought it was something worse. The neurologist thought it was going to be worse. So we're really grateful. But this has been like a big cross. 
This is going to cost thousands of dollars out of pocket because it's not something that's covered by insurance to, to bring her symptom free. It's taking so much time. It's changed our schedule. It's changed our lifestyle. This is, this is the cost. We ran into a challenge. But brothers and sisters, we've, we've been so blessed to be grateful. We've been more grateful and more present through this challenge, this trial. Because tested love is total love, isn't it? And we've been tested. We've been tested by the Lord with one another. And so we need to figure out how we're going to approach our challenges. I think that's the, that's the kind of like, how do we live out all of my life for the rest of my life in the everyday is how are we going to get through our challenges? How are we going to set our face towards the direction like sand dunes? I'm, we're not going to turn back. How do we keep going? We have to know how we're going to how we're going to encounter challenges. So when we were in Michigan, we were on the beach, and this guy pulls out this kite parachute thing. It was like, must have been 20, 25 feet long. Have you guys ever seen one of these things? And he's like flying it. He's like leaning back big time, and this huge kite's going, and it's getting higher and higher, and you guys know where this is going. He runs with it. He runs to the beach, and there on the beach, he had this like surfboard, wakeboard thing, Hops in, snap, snap, and off he goes. And he's like surfing with this kite. It looked kind of like this. It was kind of like that. It was amazing. I was just like, this is, and he just went for probably 15 or 20 minutes down the beach, just surfing back and forth. I mean, it's called kite sailing. Yeah? Has anyone ever done it? it? It looked amazing, and it actually looked really difficult. So he's doing that, and I was like, this is amazing. Just one of the coolest things I've seen. But... I don't think it's, I think it's got a pretty big limitation. Do you know why? Where can it go? Where can the kite surfer go? Where the wind's blowing, okay? What happens if the wind's not blowing your way? That's what we have to face. What happens when the wind is not blowing your way? You need a superior vessel. Does anyone sail here? A couple, couple sailors? Yeah, Michael, yeah, I think you took some guys sailing the spring break. So let's get this next slide up here just for like a little visual. How, can, can you sail against, like against the wind? Like if I want to go like over there and the wind's blowing directly at me, can I sail against the wind? Yeah, so you can't sail directly into the wind, but you can sail at like a 45 degree angle to the wind. Okay, so can I, can I get there? So the process is called tacking and you can get there by kind of so like, okay, 45 degrees this way, and a zigzag, and then that way. So I can't like go directly at the clock, but I can get there. Windsurfer, can he get there? No. Windsurfer, no. I, I don't know if the windsurfer, maybe he can, maybe, but like, I don't think he can. The kite how, can. The kite border. Okay, how do, how do, how do, do you know how it works? Like how, like how do you actually do, like that doesn't make any sense to me that you could go Against the wind. It kind of has an airplane wing shape to it. So it's, it's designed so that the boom, so the direction of the sail is almost smashing the wind, and then the wind kind of funnels over it. There's a low pressure zone. And it's got a rolling to the side. So the wind wants to blow it over, but the, there's a keel on the bottom that kind of opposes the force. A resulted vector. Yeah, and that, the vector is going that way, right? Can we, thank you, Michael. Yeah, that. Even, even cooler that you can explain it, that you can do it. I mean, that's, 
That's nuts. But I think I read that it's like reset the rigging. That's the like we got, you got to reset the rigging, right? You got to like tack. You got to get from here. Then you got to swing the sail to go this way and, and figure it out like he was doing like yeah, lean things. Yeah. <laughs> but you know it's also like check this out. Like that's amazing. Can you imagine this? That these guys next slide. Like these guys were like trading and like like commerce and like the world depended on them being able to use these sails to get across the ocean. Like mind blowing. Okay. So we need to be more like a sailboat than a kite surfer. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Because it's nice when the wind is going your way, but brothers and sisters, the wind's not going to be going your way all the time. And that's good because total love is tested love. So I'm just going to talk about shaping our life. You can go to the next slide. Shaping our life within all of my life for the rest of my life <coughs> lifestyle. Okay, Three things that are kind of distinctive things in SPO, really important to us. I'm just going to say a couple words about these because, again, we've got this destination and now we're in a sailboat. And we've got to figure out how we're going to navigate even when the wind is not going our way. We've got to be able to do that if we want to live all my life for the rest of my life. So the way we worship shapes the way we live. The way we worship shapes the way we live now and in the future. And again, why I'm saying this is because it, we can make an offering and we can pray tonight all of my life for the rest of my life, but... We actually have to live that every day. And actually, that's like a real offering. That's the all of my life, the rest of my life offering, is the every day, the everything every day. So that's why we're going to talk about these three areas, okay? Got it? So we never turn back, and we got three areas to work on every day to offer my life, all my life, the rest of my life. So Peter was all in, right? He was in the water. He was like, I'm ready to worship. I'm going to Jesus. Our worship is God-centered, not man-centered. It's scriptural and it's communal. So in 2000, sorry, I wasn't going to do any dates. So in some time in 2000, in my junior year of college, we started a prayer meeting at the Newman Center. And every week, three of us got together in the chapel with, a, I brought a guitar and a song, no, I didn't have, we had uh, transparencies. So we'd put like the slide, have you, have you seen those like? From their chemistry class? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you better believe it. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, come on. Let's go right now. I'll race you. Was that good worship that we had? How do you evaluate the worship? I would say that was really powerful worship because what happened there were the seeds of you guys are here today. And you guys are evangelizing the Oval because Teresa and Carlos were joining me when nobody else was just to worship and to give our life, all my life, for the rest of my life. I think that's amazing worship. So it's, we want power. We want emotion. We want gifts. We want to pray over one another. We want to have powerful prophecies, brothers and sisters. But that's not how we evaluate our worship. How we evaluate our worship is by what we give, not by what we receive, Okay. But that's how we evaluate our worship. It's awesome when the wind is behind us and it's blowing in the sails. That's amazing. But we actually grow more in our worship when the wind isn't behind us. So the wind's against us. And we can reset the rigging. We can, we can tack and get to that destination. So as you're worshiping this year and tonight, you might need to, you might need to reset the rigging a little bit and say, hey, I, the wind is kind of blowing at me. I got, a, I got a lot of stuff going on in my life, but I still want to get there. 
And that's okay. We got Bernoulli's principle and the vectors that Michael was talking about. We're gonna we're gonna get there and we're gonna carry one another. Okay, so the way we worship shapes the way we live. Amen. The way we love shapes the way we live. Jesus and John and Peter are there fishing together, right? These relationships are so key. It is the Lord. We see the importance of community. I've lived, I lived in household for seven years, um, from 1990 to 1997, Mitch. And, no. And I lived with over 75 guys. And what I learned was that when you move into household, when you move into this community, you're going to be asked for a lot. And when you live in household, you're going to be asked for even more. More than you expected. That's what I found. And this is where perfect love happens. Perfect love is produced by close quarters. When you're close in with one another, that's what happens. That's when you get close enough to one another that you experience the joy and also the pain and also the sin of one another. And you love one another anyway. That's what perfect love is. That's what when Jesus, he went first and then he invites us. That's what perfect love is. And that happens. So if you're struggling with the relationship this year, if you are kind of dis, you know, disenchanted by some stuff that's going on, maybe there's some cliques you're, you're not excited about, maybe you, didn't get it, you thought you were going to be in a different small group, or your small group leader isn't like praying the way you want them to pray, or they said some advice. Like, there might be some kind of relationship where your love is challenged and I want to say, be ready to reset the rigging, okay? Let's get Bernoulli's principle and the vector thing going, okay? It's great when the wind's blowing, but we grow more when the wind's against us, okay? Third, the way we go shapes the way we live, now and in the future. So the problem is we've, we're, we've got a lot going on. We're really busy. We don't have room for a lot more mission. We don't have room for a lot more relationships. And we see that Jesus asked Peter for more than he thought he was going to give. What happened to the net? The net was not torn, brothers and sisters. What that points us towards is the expanding coefficient of love. When, when you, do you guys know about that? Like when you give, there's more of you to give. When you love, there's more of you to love. And when I was in college, I you know, met this punk kid and he was kind of hard to love and he was impulsive and he was kind of saying the wrong things and he was doing the wrong things, and you know, and I was kind of like, but I was like, I want him in my life. I want to be on mission to him. I want to love him, and I want to draw him into the community, even though like, he's not like in my friend group right now. You know what, today, he's like one of my best friends. He's an amazing husband, an amazing father. Like, just yesterday, I saw him driving to work down my street, 6 a.m., like dedicated, getting to work, taking care of his family. The, the, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be able to be on mission and invite people into your life that are going to be lifelong relationships, that are going to be a blessing to you, and you're a blessing to them. So please do not check the box for mission. Do not check the box, but bring mission in every part of your life. Bring that missionary impulse in every part of your life. There should be specific times for, communi for community building, and there should be specific times for mission so that we can, that points to what we need to do, mission and communion, but let's blur the rest of our lives into building community and mission, okay? Let's just, let's just blur it, okay? Like, mission, community. Like, I'm loving you, let's go love that person, let's draw them in, okay? Let's, let's do that. Brothers and sisters, I want to I close with saying this. Go back to this all your life for the rest of your life. I, so, truth be told, 
2004 is when we started this thing. That's when I'm a senior in college, so you know how old I am. It's not that big a deal. I'm 37. I'm great. Like, I love it. Um, super young. I'm going to come play Frisbee on Wednesday. I'll see how I do. Uh, okay. 2004, I, I think there's generations in college. Like, there, it's different than, like, generations in culture. I think there's generations. I believe in this. So there's, like, four-year generations. So what happened in Columbus from 04 to 07? We started the first SPO outside of Minnesota. This was a big deal. This was awesome. So we went, we went kind of wide. And then what happened from, you guys don't know this. I'm asking you questions. You're like, I don't know. I was like, what grade were you in? Um, <laughs> we were prepping for you, Mitch. <laughs> um, 08 to 2011, you know what we did? We built a formation community. That was like, that like I mean, there's lots of stuff. But that was like the biggest thing that happened. So we had gone wide. And then we went deep. We went deep like we are now. And then from 2012 to 2015, guess what we did? We went wide, we went deep, so we went wide again. And we expanded. We went from like, in 2011, we had like a guy's house and a girl's house with like 17 people living in a household and 20 people in formation. And then we, in the next couple of years, we went to like four guys' houses, four girls' houses, you know, 60 people in formation, planting seeds to build an outreach in Cincinnati and Ohio Dominican. Like, it was like, what raised $2 million to buy two houses. It was just nuts. Like, we went super wide. And then, so that's to what, what year are we at now? 12 to 15. So 2016 to 2019, what we, what's been happening? I think what I've seen happening is depth. We've been wider, and now we're figuring out how are we going to build the quality and the depth and the culture, because in SPO, we believe that quantity comes out of quality. We believe in quality first. And this room could have 10 people in it or 1,000 people in it. We don't care. We're going to go deep. We're going to go quality. We're going to go culture all my life for the rest of my life because we believe that's going to have generational ripple effects for decades to come. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, I believe there's something powerful that's happening here at the end of this generation. Right now, we're kind of like the end of this fourth generation, if you will. And I want you guys to leave a legacy and I want, who are seniors, and those of you who are going to be coming back next year, I want you to be ready to see what's going to happen this next year is going to be new and amazing on this campus, and I want you to be ready for it, because you're going to bring, you're going to leave a legacy of a, a unique grace that God wants to pour out, but there's a cost. What's the cost? You guys know what the cost is. It's everything. It's everything. He wants it all. All my life for the rest of my life. Brothers and sisters, I want to invite you to risk more this year. I want to invite you to give more. I want you to give a fuller offering of your life. And, and we can't just do that. That's just not like Andrew's got the kids on his back and he's battling up the sandhill like, no. This is, we got to beg for God's grace. But we also got to step out. We got to get out on those sand dunes, right? We got to put ourselves out there and let God work. Brothers and sisters, are you up for this? If we offer more fully, if we give more than we've ever given, if we risk more, we're going to leave a legacy so that others may live for generations to come. Amen? Amen. Amen.